2: With Tony Kemp. So Jacinda announced her retirement as prime minister last week. Is Ian? It got me thinking about the five imminent retirements on this year's sporting landscape. Wonder what those are. Okay, hey, let's have a crack. Number one, Ian Foster. Yes, the All Blacks coach is heading closer to <laughs> cashing in his Kiwi saver. And 2023 for me is the year Fozzie decides to hang up the clipboard and call it a day with the All Blacks. The question is, will he add another World Cup title before he slippers up? Number two, interesting news coming out of the Warriors headquarters that there'll be no excuses if they don't make a run at the finals this year. And I'm picking SJ will be calling it time on his stellar career in 2023. One thing's guaranteed, miss the eight. And SJ will be sipping margaritas in the Mangawai Tavern when the comp and he'll be trading those for champagne and probably Vegas. Yeah, boy, let's go on. (laughs) Number three, Auntie Knowles is probably (laughs) thinking it's time to pull stumps and enjoy her dameness. The best coach we have had on these shores for quite some time has every right to say 2023, it's been enough for me. I'm picking another World Cup for Auntie, and the Dame Knowles goes out on top and number four and five it's a double banger yes boys bangers for big boys will announce the retirement of two legends who have graced the courts for way too long and will finally call it quits after confirming they both have izzy dag knees rafa and andy murray will smash their tennis rackets for the last time in 2023 bringing down the curtains on what has been a journey of the ages for tennis the fat lady singing in 2023 will be at the end for some in their sporting illustrious careers. Who else will let the hammer fall in 2023?
3: Off the white bait shack with stick. <laughs> 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 Off the white bait shack, eh? You got any white bait there, Kimpy?
2: Mate, I have actually. I have. I've got a I've got a couple of pounds in the freezer from our good mate Mark that I never got through uh. Mate had a good Three couple guts. of feeds. Obviously going down to Taranaki, seeing mum and uh, the whanau, They bought that out. So, yeah. What are you saying? You want a bit? Beautiful. You want a feed?
3: I want a bit, please. Send it my way. Hey Kimpy, that's that's fine. <laughs> you crap. I don't know where you're going some days, <laughs> and this is left field, but I love it. Absolutely love it. Rafa Murray, I can see that happening. Their bodies are slowing down. Rafa. Not so much. I think he's still got a wee bit in the tank and a wee bit of drive potentially to go and, and, well, just try and push Novak Djokovic for the leading all-time Grand Slam winner. Murray, I can see that happening. He just looks so sore, so sore. Sean Johnson, that's an interesting one. If, If it doesn't happen like you said, where does he go now? I know that overseas doesn't really entice him. He's got a young family. He's moved home. He's happy. But if he doesn't get the job done, whether the Warriors will keep him on. So I can potentially see that happening. Nolene Torua, well, what what else does she have to achieve? She's done it all. She's laid the foundations for what the Silver Ferns are now. And uh, she's she's really steered the way. So how good, how good. Nolene Torua. Ian Foster, this is an interesting one, Kempi. And I want to hear from you at home. Razor, now all the doors have closed on many options for the Ray. Razor Ray, now a lot of whispers coming out in February that they're going to do the unthinkable and announce a head coach post the World Cup, is it Razor Ray? Jamie Joseph, he's potentially been touted as uh, the person to take over with Tony Brown, you know, the partnership that they've been able to forge over the last few years and what they've been able to do with Japan rugby, would that be an encouragement? He's done it the right way. Gone over, international level, coming back. Razor Ray still hasn't coached at international level. Let us know, double eight double three. want to hear from you about these retirement, pending retirements. kempi has got the gravy. Oh, he's just having a wee punt on it. Ian Foster retirement post it. Well, if he gets taken over, could I potentially see a job on an offer for him overseas? Yeah, I could see Fozzie continuing on, whether he wants to make that move. Oh, that's his decision.
2: The women snatched their first win in Wellington, while the men extended their winning streak to three games. How good to reflect on what was a weekend to remember, as the club's general manager, David Dome. Good morning, David. How are you?
4: Morning, boys. Very good, thank you.
2: What was it like, mate? Best game day you've ever uh, you've ever experienced down there? A long time to- for a long time, I reckon.
4: Oh, look, it was certainly one of the top five days for the club ever in terms of, of match day, you know, for, for the women to come out and smash Canberra 5-0 uh, and then the boys to come yeah. along and, and do a job on Central Coast, you know, when, when Central Coast are flying at the moment. And a beautiful day and then the fans came on the field. It was just really everything we could have asked for. You know, really, really pleased.
3: Mate, what was the turnaround like for those players who were involved in the, in the football, game, football Ferns game on Saturday and then started for the club only 24 hours later?
4: Yeah, look, so Natalie Lawrence, who's the coach of the women's, works closely with Yip, Kirk, and Clover, who's the football ferns coach, and they worked through how they were going to do that, who was going to play what. Because we had quite a lot of... We had the Wednesday night game as well in Wellington, and we had about four or five of our players involved in that as well. So they, they did a good job, and you know, but a few of them actually had to back up big time on the Sunday. And, and you know, well done to them, because that's, that's not easy to do.
2: But do, do you think... Um... The the girls learn a lot from the, the the men. You know what I mean. Like the ladies playing, they got they, they've had a really tough time, um, especially with being on the road all the time. They get out and they put, put them five goals on there. They, do you think they're getting much motivation from the men's team?
4: I think they. I mean, I know that Natalie and, and Uffy talk together um, and they discuss things. I know that happens. I certainly hope, think that what's happened is that Nat's been working with the with the women now for quite some time and trying to get them to click. Um, and, and sometimes in sport it's funny it doesn't quite work for you we, we've we gone close on a number of occasions losing to West United who are streaking away with the comp when he lost 1-0 to them over in Australia so they've been close Um it's just a case of things clicking sometimes and again it, you've got to remember it's a very new team a lot of these players are under mm-hmm. 20 years of age and um, it takes a while to sort of click into pro football and what it requires and what it takes and and I think they're getting there now and lot you know like we saw on, on Sunday afternoon, just clicked yesterday. And, and I said to Ned after the game, look, I hope this just gives the players the confidence to know that they can do it. And, and Canberra aren't any mugs. They're mid-table, and you know, they took my yeah. apart.
3: Yeah, what, what, what for you clicked for the for the women's team? 5-0 over Canberra, who are sitting 6th at the moment, and they're in last place. Oh, They'll take a hell of a lot of confidence. But game style, what, what really clicked for them?
4: I think, you know, like I said, we... are we haven't really been tailed up this year. It's just been one nil losses here, you know, a loss by a goal here and a loss by a goal there. So it wasn't defensively that it was the issue. It was just in that final third, just getting those passes to go to the feet and, and, and then finishing them off. And that was the difference on, on Sunday was the finishing. They did a great job in getting on to the end of those crosses and getting on the end of the balls and, and putting them away. Betsy Hassett, who, is our, who was our, our holding midfield player, was pushed forward slightly and, and played a number 10 role instead of a 6 role and I think that was a huge change, and I wouldn't be surprised if Nat continues with Betsy in that role for another couple of games.
3: Mate, do you think this is a, a recognition of the, the the complex that you've got at the moment? I was talking to Corey Jane the other day, and he said the Hurricanes are yeah. training in this fancy new facility in Upper Heart. Talk to us about this, mate. What's that this new little fancy complex you've got going on?
4: Yeah, so we're both out there now, so we share a floor with the, with the Lions and the Hurricanes. So um, um, Shannon Park is now the, G- the CEO of the Lions, and and Evan Lee still with the Hurricanes, of course. And we talk quite regularly. It's been built specifically, so well, not specifically, but part of it is that um, the Hurricanes and and the, and the Lions and the Phoenix are all together. So we can we often train side, side by side. They're often in the gym at the same time. We have our S and C, you know, the strength and conditioning guys talk all the time. The physios are next door to each other. One of the visions that, that um, Malcolm and, and Malcolm Gillies and Kevin Melville helped them to build it was that we have all these sports teams out there sharing ideas, and that's starting to happen. And you know, I've been talking to the, the, the Lions about how they did some of the things they do, it, and um, all our management guys are talking to each other. Um, and in terms of how they run their teams and how they travel, so it's really, really good. It's exciting. It's a mega development. It, it's really, truly, it's 100 million dollars worth of, of building out there, and it's literally state of the art. What they have there is, you know, they've got they've got heat controlled rooms, they've got allergy controlled bikes, what bike centers we've, <laughs> we've got, hot and cold pools, you, you know, in I don't even know what half of the stuff is. There's some ion chamber that's supposed to help you recover. And it's just, it's, I walk past this area, what, what the hell is that? And every time you go out there, something else has been built and changed. And I don't even know what half the stuff is. But the, 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 the physical guys are just loving it.
3: So
4: if you get a chance to have a look at it, go out and have a look because it is literally study out. There's nothing quite like it anywhere in the world, to be honest. It's, it's incredible.
3: Oh, mate, that's awesome. Yeah, Corey Jane was uh, speaking volumes of it. He said he's to some real being able to situate out there in Upper heart. He's an Upper heart man himself, so he's in 10 minutes to training. So he absolutely loves it. Just quickly before you let you go, Dave, um, the men are set to play in Palmerston North this, this weekend. Uh, are there plans to take games to smaller places around or going forward? Like you've traditionally gone to Eden Park. Uh, sky Stadium is there an opportunity to go out and, and get around the roots?
4: yeah we'd like to um, We've played Christchurch a few times we've we, we, we played Napier a few times in New Plymouth. The reason we, we go to Palms this weekend because sky is unavailable because of each year and we this, we face this issue every year is our stadia in the summer Even parks the same they get used to concerts right so we have to move out and go somewhere. Palms and North we haven't played for about 10 years. Um, yep. But you know it's only what 90 minutes up the road from here, so a lot of our fans can travel, which is good. Uh, it's a nice little ground, but yeah, we are looking at we, you know next year where do we go? Do we look at some of the regional centres again? As long as we can pull a crowd, we're keen to go. We don't want to travel too much away from Wellington because Storm Wellington to be our home and our base, but it does make sense when Sky is not available that we have to go elsewhere. And yeah, I mean I'd, I'd like I'd love to go back to Christchurch again. You know, hopefully that new stadium gets built pretty quick. We can drop in there and. <laughs> Uh, and a, and other regional venues would be awesome, but yeah, yeah, it's really a case by case. Each year, we look at it, we look at the draw, and go when is Sky unavailable, when do we have to go, how do we make it all fit together? It's a jigsaw puzzle because it's extremely complex when you have to factor in not only our availability, stadium, but of course all the stra- all the Australian stadiums. They have the same problem. Uh, concerts roll in, and so it's it's a nightmare to do the draw. But yeah, if we can do some of the regional venues next year, we're, we're certainly going to look at it.
3: Well, I think anywhere you go with the fan base you've created over the last couple of years, uh, you've got the most fanatical fans going. And I think rugby fans out there can learn a lot from the football fans. I love it. Very, very patriotic. Yeah. David Dome, General Manager of the Phoenix, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the successful weekend and good luck in the future, mate. Appreciate it.
4: Thanks, boys. We appreciate it too. Well done.
3: The tennis has been hot across the ditch as the Australian Open starts to get serious into week two. The quarterfinals pitcher is set, and while Novak Djokovic booked his ticket to the final eight with nothing more than a canter beating Aussie Alex de in straight sets, it's the American contingent who are still enjoying a fast start to the year. There are four American-based athletes across the men's and women's quarterfinals and our U.S.-based tennis correspondent and host of Cracked Rackets podcast, Alex Gruskin, will be all over this. How's it going, Alex?
1: Oh, It is delightful to be back. Things are getting <laughs> hot. It's a hot start for the Australian Open. Hot start for me. Two up <laughs> to the tennis correspondent in January. I am flattered, my guys. It is great to be back.
3: Oh, we appreciate your time as always, Alex, and we, you spoke on this SNZ not so long ago and you talked about the American tennis players that are playing in the usa but you've got a pretty hot quarterfinal coming up, Shelton, Ben Shelton and Tommy Paul taking place, uh, taking uh, centre stage there at Rod Laver, not too uh, long, well in a couple of days time mate, you must be a pretty proud American
1: right now. I don't know if you guys are big into the TV show Game of Thrones, but this, you know, in that show, <laughs> there was the prince or princess that was promised. For us, these are the American men that were promised for oh so long. And so many of them were top juniors in the world. They won Junior Slam championships. You look at Tommy Paul, who's still alive in the quarterfinals. He's a former junior French Open champion. You have a guy in Ben Shelton, who's a former NCAA singles champion. And yeah, again, it's a good news. The good news is this is a radio show because I have been in my birthday suit celebrating the past five days.
2: (laughs) Hey, Alex, today we see Sebastian uh, Korda and Jessica Pagula go to work on the men's and women's side, respectively. Talk us through that. What do they need to progress uh, today?
1: Well, the amazing thing with Jessica Pagula, and I'm stealing this joke from Twitter because she laughed at it. Some of your listeners may not know Jessica Pagula's family, rather wealthy. They own the Buffalo Bills. Jessica Pagula is playing like they're going to raise the income tax here in America over the course of the next six months. It's as though she's like, nope, I'm not getting any inheritance. I got to do it on my own. She has been on absolute fire throughout the course of these first three weeks of the season and you know now with top seed iga Swiatek eliminated with you know really not a ton of experience left in the women's draw she is absolutely one of the biggest contenders on the women's side on the men's side i mean It would help if he didn't have the pretty eyes, the perfect hair, the beautiful bone structure. But Sebi Korda has become the face very slowly of American men's tennis. And, you know, obviously he comes from a family dynasty. His parents were each successful tennis players, his sisters, Mm -hmm. some of the best golfers in the world. You know he's the ugly runt of the family. They're like, oh, that's cute. You're 14 in the world. Talk to us when you do something serious. Well, he has started to do something serious, and I think he's put the whole world on notice with his first month of this season.
3: But when you look ahead, you got Titts pass. You got um, you know the Joker continuing on in his form. You know, not too long ago it was first time I think ever that the top seeds have been bundled out on either the men's and the women's uh, uh, sides of the draw. So. Can you still see an American lifting the trophy come the end of it, knowing that those two quality tennis players are still in the
1: tournament? Do they have to lift the champion's trophy? Can they be lifting a different Mm. trophy? Like, you know, they give them one of those big checks. (laughs) Like, they're like, congratulations, you came in third. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, it's really hard on the men's side to see anyone beating Novak Djokovic and You know, this is a guy who's won the Australian Open nine times. This is a guy who had a hamstring injury and then last night against one of the more full players on tour in Alex Diemenauer, he beats him in straight sets in under two hours and the hamstring looked just fine. He was doing it. You know, anytime a human can perform the splits, you're like, all right, he's probably not injured. And Djokovic <laughs> whipped out the splits multiple times last night. And a healthy Djokovic is still who the men's draw goes through. That said, I think the most fascinating part is he's going to have a new challenger. And, you know, that's something we've been waiting for for a long time as tennis fans.
2: Hey, Alex, talk us through the mind games of the older blokes and not the uh, Djokovic's, the uh, the refs, you know, when, they, when they're playing these, oh, what I think are mind games on the sideline, with uh, these younger younger boys, you, you think it's a tactic that we're going to see more of as they get older?
1: Absolutely, and there's a new Netflix show called Breakpoint, which highlights oh, some of these show. players as they go through their seasons. I've very much enjoyed. It. Should we do 12 minutes on that? Um, no, but <laughs> yeah. you know, looking uh, looking through that show. Taylor Fritz, who's a top 10 American, 25 years old, gave a fascinating quote when talking about what it's like to play Rafa, and he said, look, for me this is the biggest match of my life. For Rafa, it's a Tuesday, and that's the case for every player when you're facing a Djokovic or a Rafa, particularly at this stage. It is the biggest match you will have played in your life, and you know, for these guys they've been doing that for 15 years, so you see it with you know, anytime I see a top player get angry, I actually don't think they're angry. They're just trying to throw their opponents off their games. And, you know, again, who doesn't like good craftsmanship to the sport?
3: What about this, this Andy Murray situation? Look, like, he has been nothing but a miracle over this tournament. And obviously he hasn't kicked on. But, mate, what a quality tournament. He must be extreme. Like, no, and being told that you can't play ever again and coming out and Taking players to five sets, having a day off, and then go to another five sets—like that—is remarkable. What Andy Murray has been able to do in the in the last what, two
1: weeks? No, there's the Shakira song "Hips Don't Lie," and his <laughs> hips do lie. Like they lie a lot. You know, one of them is a mechanical hip, and for him to be mm-hmm. playing at all at this stage of his career, let alone to be playing five set matches on multiple nights, playing past four a.m., trying to play tennis while as you saw, clearly having to go to the bathroom during that fifth set and not being allowed to do so. Uh, It's a remarkable feat for Andy. And look, the level of tennis he is playing, it's not that far off. Now, do I think he will win another major title? Probably not. Do I think he'll be able to sustain himself as a significant pro player for at least a couple more seasons? As of right now, I do. And ultimately, at this stage of his career, I think that's all he's really after.
2: And what do you, what do you make of his comments, Andy Murray's comments about playing through the night um, to 4 a.m. in the morning without being allowed to go to the toilet?
1: Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, again, they asked, what point was it? Was it 40-30, all And he's like, yeah, thankfully it wasn't Deuce. Um, that was a big thing <laughs> for Andy Murray in that moment. <laughs> and, you know, I, I do think... There are two sides to the story. Certainly as a fan of sport, anytime you hear someone is playing past 4 a.m., you're inherently more intrigued, right? You're like, wait, he's doing, he's active past 3 a.m.? I have to check this out. At the same time, if you're the player, you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, do you know who I am? Like, I'm Andy Murray, and you're having me play at 3.30 a.m., and now I'm going to have to play another match in 24 hours and have no time to recover so you understand both perspectives. You do feel like it should be easier to avoid that. Like, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's this thing called math, and you feel like you could use math to try to schedule things out and be like, okay, we're going to avoid the 3 a.m. time slot. But it, it, he certainly had a point. Is there a
3: solution to this? Can you see the lawmakers, the rulemakers making a change, what, what they saw unfold on the weekend? Like, it's not ideal. you got these kids that are – you know, they, the ball getters and they go out there and they run around the mm-hmm. courts and they pick up the balls for these athletes
1: four in the morning. Like, imagine mean the their parents would be absolutely distraught. No, it would be. I mean, it's funny because you wonder if the kids are like, oh, I'm skipping school tomorrow. Like, heck, yeah. yeah. Like, here's the excuse. <laughs> like, let's go. I, you're like, sorry, I was ball boy for Andy Murray. Oh, OK, you can. You're fine. Um I I do think there will be some sort of change, whether it's starting the evening session an hour earlier. Mm. The problem is they try to alternate the men's and women's matches, which ones go first. And sometimes the men's matches being best of five, they just go over five hours and that ruins everything. I I, I, I don't think they will address this specifically because it's part of a bigger problem. And much like all people, tennis likes to put off its problems. But certainly this was a very dramatic instance. So there might be some, maybe after 2 a.m., no more ball kits. Beautiful,
3: man. Well, just quickly before we let you go, one of your other two, well, the two Americans, you got Tommy Paul, Ben Shelton taking on each other in the quarterfinal. One of them is going to be tasked with taking Novak on. If Novak advances, who has the best chance in your eyes?
1: It's a great question. I will go with Ben Shelton for two reasons. One, his serve has will eventually be elite. And right now, Ben Shelton is 20 years old. But ask any t- tennis coach in the world, what is the sort of player you would like to coach? They'd say, give me a tall lefty. And that's exactly what Ben is. Six foot five, so explosive. You never have to tell him to speed up. It's just about trying to get him to slow down and learn to control all the vast weapons he possesses. Ben's best would pose a bigger challenge to Djokovic, but let the record show, Novak's not losing to either of them.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on, mate. you got to have some faith in your fellow Americans. you got three
3: of them yeah. there, mate, so you've got a hell of a chance. I appreciate you coming on the show, Alex. And on that break point, I've watched it. It is so good, and I can't wait for the next season to come out. I was so gutted when Ons Jabur got knocked out earlier on in the tournament. I'm a huge fan of hers and Berentini. Oh, he's one of my favorite men's players too, mate. So appreciate your time, Alex. always appreciate it.
1: Gentlemen, be safe, be healthy.
3: There he is. Alex Gruskin, talking about the fellow Americans going forward and, and potentially marching on for a title. They've been craving for, for plenty, plenty of years now. And, uh, Oh, they've got a good chance. Sebastian Quarter, Kempi. I don't know if you know the the sisters N- Nelly and Jessica Quarter. Mm. They have got a freakish genetic makeup of a family. They are outrageous. Jess Quarter, she is just winning everything in the in the golfing uh, tour. And then you got Sebastian, who is potentially he's playing a quarterfinal. Man, they are just absolute freaks at what they do in their craft. Yeah, so good.
2: Did. How good, how good, and I guess the who was the last like the the last time when you had all the Americans sort of in the men's especially in the men's ranks um, on top, you know, Courier was it? Courier, sorry, Courier, Courier was a wooden assent. I was thinking about um, was it that far back? Sampraz?
3: Yeah, Andy would have been Sampras, You got Roddick. You got Agassi. It's a while ago, way. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been dominated by the European countries for a very long time in tennis, and now the Americans have got three solid chances. Ben Shelton, man, I'll be watching. Have you watched this breakpoint, Lily? No, I haven't yet. Is he? Oh, go watch it, man. Go watch it. It is such a good watch. If you like the. F- Tried to survive and getting a real inside look. And I've just seen that Netflix are going in behind the scenes with Ireland. So you're going to give you a real good inside look to what Ireland, the rugby team, are, uh, have been able to achieve and been able to do. So that's going to be a phenomenal watch. But Breakpoint, go and watch it. You get a real understanding of the kind of selfishness that these athletes <laughs> put themselves through. Berentini goes out with another Austra- uh, Aussie tennis player. And he's playing a game. She's been knocked out. And he tells her to go outside and talk on the phone because he's focusing on this game. And she's like, get stuff. That's such a good look. And that Taylor Fritz, he played when he won the Indian Wells uh, last year with a broken foot. And he was playing Rafa. And he went through and won it and won his first major title. So, yeah, it's a real good watch. It gives you a real uh, appreciation for what goes on behind the scenes in these tennis players, what they put their bodies through, like for playing till four in the morning mm. and then having to go do it again, like Andy Murray, that that is just just ludicrous, really. If you missed the breaking news yesterday, yes, it's true. I've announced my retirement, yes, Kyle. I've announced my retirement from the Black Clash and cricket in general, and it's no thanks to this man, Kyle Mills, who took my scalp. For the very last time, Millsy is on the line with us this morning to chat all things cricket. G'day, mate. How do you feel about that, eh? You, you made me retire. <laughs> Hello, Daggett. Mate, I actually thought it was the best you've ever moved, to be
2: honest. <laughs> Look, eight that's eight that's saying a lot. Disability, the pace,
3: never seen you better. <laughs> <laughs> oh well my knee was sad otherwise it was absolutely sore it's only just coming right mate but honestly you were running it down bowling it down the 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 pitch swinging it about 300 meters how'd you enjoy <laughs> another black clash
0: yeah that no, was good fun i did sense that you weren't moving that well big fella and i just needed to get it wide <laughs> cause the feet weren't going to move were they and so uh, you got going to follow no. it with your hands i, I I was just lucky enough to get the edge. But, uh, <laughs> look, these, these, this Juco they put on a good show, don't they? Um, five years now, and they keep the crowd keeps turning up, and great viewership, and it's just great. Why? To I, wasn't a regular why? Window, no, so. I just can't
3: understand why they come and watch. <laughs>
0: oh, the, the, I mean, the product's not great. <laughs> the, uh, the, the standard's not right up there. But, uh, look, the... Um, I think it's just entertainment and I think there's a lot to learn there for a lot of sports you know um, who struggle to pull a crowd if it's uh, if you make the occasion um, entertaining then you'll get the punters along Hey
2: Millsy did you speak to to, uh, Izzy's old man Pete about how he likes to go fishing did you? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Get his hands out there, right? Just move his hands, leave the body behind.
2: <laughs> mate, what was your what was your plan? Like you, you watched him, um, yeah. you know, he's obviously over the years goes right there, Daggy of the cricket. I, I got to say that swing you had on that ball, mate. You're still you're still <laughs> whipping it down there with plenty on it. What what was your yeah. plan?
0: What was your bowling plan to Daggy? Just to get to the other end, to be honest, so I'm not in great shape myself, those, those in glass houses here at Old Dagger, but um, look, yeah, my, well, my first ball was a, a low full toss to Rito, and that got dispatched down the ground, but um, then it was just a matter of just getting the ball into the wicker, and, then I, and when I saw it started to swing, I thought, oh, okay, at least the, uh, the swing gods are on my side for occasion, so uh, and it just helped to get Dagger out.
3: Mate, let's be honest here. When you got turned down for probably the most plum LBW, it goes down as when I broke Flim's toe, the plummest <laughs> of all plums. Were you filthy? Were you angry? You know what?
0: You sort of, um, part of me, I've got to keep up the persona of just being a grumpy cricketer. So I've got to pick that box. But <laughs> it's amazing when you stop playing. Um, I don't know. I wonder what you boys think as well. You sort of, you retire from sport. And I, I kind of remember saying to myself that, like, all my competitive edge is just gone. It's going to disappear out of my body. And I feel for the most part, it actually has. But on the odd occasion, <laughs> on the odd occasion, it rears its ugly head again, but I think I just saw the... You know, like you, mate, with Flimo, just knocking all three stunts out of the ground. And, and Billy Boy tells me, oh, it's just hitting leg. And I say, well, mate, if it's hitting leg, it's out. <laughs>
3: Billy Boy, Billy the Good, Billy Bowden. Great to see him out there with your good mate, Chris Harris. Hey, uh, well, we're going to talk some some actual cricket, and I know you're still a cricketing fan and a and a fantastic fast bowler in his time. At the moment, there's been a lot of questions uh, about the Black Caps. The batting, I think, is quite astute. They're pretty solid there, but the bowling, like we've lost Trent Bolt. Uh, where do you see them there? then make any improvements tonight? Was it their bowling lengths? Is it their the partnerships. What is it for you for the Black Caps? Yeah,
0: well, there's, there's some there's some young cattle out there, isn't there? And uh, playing in India, um, in front of those sorts of crowds, there's, there's no tougher task in, in cricket, really. And so, young, I feel sorry for young Shitley, to be honest, to be to be thrown into the team like that. It's always going to be going to be up against it. And uh, when you take Bolt out, Salvi out, um, Matt Henry, I think, is at home injured as well. Um, there's a whole lot of experience not there, I think it's probably a bit of a, um, a wake-up call that you know our depth might not be where it possibly should be. We need to fast-track some of these younger guys into um, international cricket. very much like your sports, there's, there's no tours anymore. It's just international cricket or domestic cricket. There's no tours to to blood young cricketers. So, um, but that doesn't help for anything tonight. The guys have got to uh, you know just really hit the lengths. Um, the fast bowlers, they need to bowl a lot straighter in the subcontinent. Um, and you sort of have your fielders straight, mid on and mid-off nice and straight, cover mid-wicket nice and straight, you bowl straight and you're asking the batter to hit around the front pad, basically. Um, and very much like Andy Ellis the other night, the other choice but, um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, and just try and bowl nice and straight and, and build pressure. Um, that's all you've got to do and, and take early wickets. And you can get early wickets in the Indian team, you're doing very well because... Gee was Shubman, Gill, um, Rohit Sharma, and Derek Coley as a top three is a, a pretty tough ask for any, for any international bowler.
2: Hey, Millsy, Mel- do you think there'll be any changes? Can you see any other bowl- uh, bowlers getting a run?
0: Uh, no, I can't. I, I haven't taken a, a, a big dive into it, Kempi, but um, uh, no, no matter who goes out there, just sort of, you've got to bowl as a group as well, Kempi, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, your last, for example... Um, your last three balls the last two balls of the over you've got to make them strong and that helps the bowler at the other end And if they can start well that means you have you know five or six consecutive balls where there's no boundaries and a bit of pressure now if each bowler has that mindset of building pressure and bowling um, for each other in the partnership that's how that's another way you can build pressure because it can be pretty daunting you know taking the mentality you're out there by yourself in big crowd hot conditions flat wicket you know, not much on your side. You really need your partners at the other end. And, uh, so whoever they put up tonight, is, I think that type of approach can go a long way.
3: Mate, the conditions in, in India, you've played there plenty of times. You, you know better than anyone else. So what, what do they offer and what are the challenges for these bowlers? And how do you bowl against India? Like Rohit Sharma and you've got Shubman Gill who well, blasted 200. So they're in, they're in positive form. And they want to smash you in all parts of the the park. So how do you approach it?
0: Yeah, see that, that's one of the, the big ask of a, a guy young guy like Henry Shipley. Who I think's got a, a a lot of ability, and he could, he could go a long way in the game. But he's he's bowling New Zealand lengths. He's trying to bang the ball hard into the wicket, get good carry through to the keeper, because that's what's your condition to in this part of the world. That's a completely different approach over there, where you've got to bowl fuller, you've got to be hitting top of off stump and you've got to be bowling straighter, and you've got to be making the batter play every ball. Um, if you can get into that t- and set a field, you know, often we think as a bowler, you need to swing the ball or seam the ball or, or, or turn the ball. But one of the biggest assets you can have is setting the right field. If you can set a really good field and, and bowl to that field, that, that is actually another skill set. And I think, um, you know, bowling in India, you've got to uh, jump into that approach as well. Uh, you don't get the pace and carry that you do with the wickets here, yes, it's also very hot. yes, you have um, sober grown men dancing in the crowd, which is an unusual thing for any Kiwi to see because <laughs> they' be the crowd here. they <laughs> are pretty different to the crowds over there, and it's uh, it's in- intense and then you have the off the ball sort of stuff the the food and you know just even getting to the ground can be a challenge at times so. All those things are, are completely different from here. But if uh, if they can get into that approach of trying to build pressure to, to, to your original question, dagger uh, on Gill and, mm. and Sharma and, and Virat Kohli, it's just building pressure. Because the batter always has an approach that they've got to keep the run race up, get the ball, um, mm. you know, get the scorecard ticking over. So you try and deny and, and take that away from them and try and play on their ego because they have that expectation of, of dominating Miss New Zealand side.
2: Hey, Melzi, I'm just going to swing in, a, in an uh, outswinger here, just uh, on medium pace. just want to talk a little bit about the CBA and the NRL. I know you've, um, you've had plenty of experience yourself with cricket. Have you been following that at all? And, and is there, if you have been, is there a likelihood of a strike?
0: In the whole NRL. I haven't been following I heard a, a brief headline yesterday, Kemp. Are you gonna just fill me in just quickly? Well
2: the the C B A, the the money side of it, the players are, are not happy with what the NRL have come up with yeah. and it's, there's talk of a strike. Um yeah. I, I know with your players' association and cricket and stuff like that. What what sort of you know, what sort of uh, I guess future does that hold for the NRL if the players aren't happy?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's, uh, for one, from a, from a player's point of view, I think Dagger's been here as well. The players have got to got to hold strong and, and stay together um, mm. because it's all about what's um, fair and reasonable uh, for the establishment as well, but also the players. And if the players can, can stay strong and get... All the players are after is just fair conditions and, and what's right. Um, every sport and every game around the world is, is controlled by the broadcaster. And a lot of funds back into those establishments, and so if we can it, be divvied up to a to a, you know, a fair standard where the players get their, their fair cut of the pie, I think it will be fine. And I, the players, at the end of the day, mate, no matter what sport, they want to go and play, right? They just want to get out there and chuck the footy around and, and have a good time and, and entertain. Um, so that will never go away from the players. Right? I guess you're just asking for from a collective something that is fair and reasonable. I know the the, the fans and stuff get upset with the stuff at times and. Um, because some of the fans come from a different era, and that creates a lot of a lot of headlines, I guess. But um, I think at the end of the day, everyone takes the approach, and the boys do want to get out there, but they're just asking for some mm. fair conditions, just like any any working sector a- across the globe. You know, you see it all the time. We saw it recently with the firefighters here in New Zealand. So all they're after is just fair and reasonable conditions.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Uh, Millsy, appreciate your your honest answer there, mate. Just quickly before we let you go, a message come through from Neil regarding the Black Caps have Doug Bracewell on tour and not used. So potentially reminds me a bit by yourself. He can swing it. He can move the ball off the seam. He getting a chance.
0: Yeah, well, you, all, all Bracewells are pretty tough as well, aren't they? As well, so mm. uh, he's played in those conditions be, before. Um, I think they just because with the World Cup being in the subcontinent at the back end of this year. Um, I think the select, Gary Stead and the selectors probably have got a good understanding of what Dougie Bracewell can bring to the party. Um, so mm. it's probably more those younger guys who are trying to test them out in those conditions and see what they can do because they will have a squad of 15 I need to, to pick in September for, for that tour. Uh, so being 2-0 down, um, I, oh, it's probably a really good opportunity to keep giving these younger guys a go, to be honest. Beautiful,
3: mate. And last one, Smithy yesterday was massive on his sermon. New Zealand cricket needs to beg and do anything possible for Trent Bowl to play in the World Cup to have any chance. Do you see that happening?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely I do. We've got to have him over there. We, uh, see, we've we had a, a brilliant cricketing nation in the last um, six to eight years, haven't they? And it's like no coincidence at the same time I retired. That the team got a lot better, <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> <middle scene. laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they've been magic we've been blessed with cricketers. You know, if you went down into one of our all time great sides, Saudi, Bolt, Kane, they're, they're all playing now. So, we don't have the depth of these other countries, of India and um, you know, and Australia as well. So, when our big boys are available, I think we, we've got to take them. Um, and it's, it's probably the last time that all three of them will be at a World Cup as well. So uh, I, I can only imagine he'll be playing. It'll be, we'll be fools not to play.
3: Yeah, but I think you did right there. We need to blood some of these younger players because they're not going to be around for forever, as we all know. Our time comes and it goes. So appreciate your honest uh, feedback, and uh, you can get out of here now, mate, for doing that to me <laughs> on the weekend. I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on, Millsy.
0: Cheers, boys. Go well. Thank you.
3: There you go, Cole Mills, and I have to say, he had probably the best footwear ever out there in the Black Clash. (laughs) He was running, I think he was running Air Force Ones, Nikes with sprigs on them, little spikes. So he looked the part, but I loved his honest uh, chat regarding the Black Caps campaign. We talk about it always, pathways, blooding young players, Mm. bring back the old tours when these younger players got to experience tours in these conditions over in India, Sri Lanka, you know, the West Indies, which offer a totally different style. Shipley, he's been in New Zealand, trying to bang it in the pitch over in India, is what they love. And you saw Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill, what they did to these bowlers. It wasn't It was a pretty watch if you're a cricketing fan, but it wasn't a good watch if you're a bowler seeing the ball sail over your head. Yeah, no, you're dead right. I was just
2: talking about those tours and he picked it too mate you know like rugby rugby league we none of us are are getting that experience anymore and if we don't have the local competitions being being able to blood them to that standard mate we're always going to be behind the eight ball so um, interesting to hear him talk about who he thinks may get a start and um, where they need to go in the future having been there and done that it's Yeah, I reckon we picked that at the end of last year, didn't we, about New Zealand cricket? Um, Mm. Yep, they might be in for a little
3: bit of a a tough time of late.
4: Izzy's Bomb Squad.
3: Dear athlete, isn't it great waking up daily feeling fresh, looking around at older athletes with a wry smile and a wee giggle, knowing that your body is at the start of its journey and wondering why these older athletes are putting so much time (laughs) and rehab into their bodies? You're probably wondering why I'm writing this, but as I sit here in my chair struggling to get up out of my creaky seat to do the simple things in life, my mind constantly goes back to a lot of what ifs. I'm 34 years of age and already I'm staring down the barrel of a full knee reconstruction which requires an osteotomy. That probably means nothing to you, but it's a major surgery with a total recovery time of seven to nine months. My mind continues to drift back to my career and wonders if I could have done things different. I'm writing this because I don't want people to make the same mistakes I made. I clearly remember this moment in my first year as a professional rugby player. I was 20 years of age and I would laugh and mock old athletes like Jimmy Cowan, Jason Schumark, taking three hours daily to rehab their bodies and even warm up for the simplest of sessions. I was 20, so I thought I'm young. I don't need to take care of my body. I have that old Kiwi mentality. I'll be right, I'm young. This mentality continued throughout my career right to the very end, and now I'm 34, staring down the barrel of a new knee at the ripe old age of 34. I'm not writing this for the simple fact to feel sorry for me, but the simple fact that I don't want athletes to make the same mistakes. Whether you're 19 or 33 years of age, whether you're at the start or the end of your career, build good habits and continue to invest time and money into your body. Your body is everything. Don't make the same mistakes I made. I'm 34 and have to deal with this for the rest of my life.